Welcome to Change, Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. No matter where you started, where you are now, or where you've been, you too can lead an authentic, first-class life. Each week, new stories of turning points and transformation will help you define what success means to you so you can live your best life on your terms. Now here's your host, first-class life mentor and certified profiting from your passions coach, Kate Fessler. Welcome to Change Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and today my guest is Mariana Matthews. While the world of professional hypnotists is dominated by men, a colorful and dynamic woman has been making her mark entertaining with creative, iconic hypnosis shows. Mariana Matthews, also known as That Lady Hypnotist, has established a stellar reputation for entertaining a variety of audiences. From corporate events to holiday celebrations, charity fundraisers, sober grad nights, and family events. Born in the Netherlands, Mariana Matthews brings a European flair to everything she does. As a young child, she moved with her family to the United States, and they made their home in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. While in junior high school, she thrived performing on the stage, singing, playing guitar, and acting. She realized that performing was in her blood. At 17, she had her first of many paid acting roles, dressed in a pirate costume, a TV commercial that advertised a local radio station treasure hunt. Mariana's interest in the mind-body connection developed as she attended college. She majored in psychology and minored in business. Soon after, Mariana saw her first hypnosis show in Reno. The performer was Pat Collins, the hip hypnotist. Not realizing that she had just witnessed one of the best female stage comedy hypnotists in the world, Mariana thought to herself, someday I want to do that. But then life happened. Mariana spent 17 years in law enforcement, after which life took her to the beautiful island of Maui, Hawaii. There, she worked both front and back of house as an event manager, volunteer coordinator, and security director for the Maui Arts and Cultural Center. Working over 2,000 events and performances stirred the performer feelings deep inside her once again. Following her intrinsic need to help others, she then took the position as director of the Maui County Red Cross. Shortly thereafter, family issues brought Mariana back to the Pacific Northwest. Once back in Washington State, Mariana returned to college to study hypnosis and received her hypnotherapy certification. She's registered with the Washington State Department of Health and has been a member in good standing with multiple hypnosis organizations. She's helped clients improve their lives, reaching successful goals by using hypnosis. She's also created a self-help hypnosis series to free oneself from limiting beliefs, feelings, and behaviors to realize endless potential. Finally, someday happened. Taking her stirring for the stage and drawing from her extensive experience, she realized there is no better therapy than laughter. And with this, her true passion emerged. After additional training in Las Vegas to hone her stage hypnosis skills, That Lady Hypnotist comedy show was born. Welcome, Mariana. Well, thank you very much, Kate. I'm so happy to be here. You were born in the Netherlands, but came to the United States at a young age. Do you remember much about your birth country? 
Actually, I do uh, because Dutch is my is actually my English is my second language, and I still have a lot of family in Holland, uh, so I do go back and forth, and they come back and forth. Uh, so I do. There's uh, there's things I absolutely love, and things I absolutely don't love about uh, <laughs> being in another country. I love being here. This is this is my home. Well, what was that like moving into a new country? I suppose as a young child, you're pretty resilient. Did you experience much culture shock at first? Actually, because I was so young when I first got here, I uh, I didn't. I did not. But even now when I go back uh, on vacation, I, there's some culture shock going there. And after I've been there, coming back, there is, again, it's uh, – there's a feeling, a feeling that I can't, don't even have a word for that I miss about being in in Europe or in the Netherlands. Uh, but there are things that we take for granted here that once I, when I'm there, I truly miss. And it's uh, it, it's anything from having a Costco <laughs> uh, where you have you know where you don't have to go shopping every single day. Uh, though there are some good things about that because then you make sure you have fresh food. Uh, it, there's, yeah, just so many things. And it's it's funny when family comes. I had back when we, there was still the the car called Oldsmobile, the uh, model. Or uh-huh. That was one of my first Oldsmobile. cars at Oldsmobile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had one too. But my little sister, my half-sister was here, and she said to me, I think it's so great that in America that they have cars for senior citizens. Because her Oldsmobile meant it was a car for an old person. So, yeah, things like that that I never thought of funny things. There's some things that are just very, very funny when it, in the translation, when it comes to the translation. So, yes. Uh, just quickly, too, I, I actually went back to Holland for a little while and lived uh, when I was younger with my two young boys. And uh, my youngest boy was in preschool. And he came home crying and crying and crying because he really didn't speak Dutch much. Uh, and, and I said, what's the matter? And he said, none of the kids like me. So what, what do you mean by that? Why do you say that? And he said, because they all came up to me and said, who hate you? And he, that means, what is your name in Dutch? But to him, it meant, I hate you. So, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just one of those little things that I remember forever. Yes. All those language so issues. <laughs> Yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, yes. So that happens. That happens. I think everywhere, uh, and we have to. That's why we have to remember to have patience and to understand sometimes that the language can be good or bad, and we have to to really think about where it's coming from and who's saying it, and what it is that that's meant, right? Yes. No kidding. Now you're calling it Holland, but. Yes. Uh, and I've been there, and and they've called it Holland. But then other people say there is no such thing as Holland. It's the Netherlands. What's the <laughs> difference, if any? <laughs> there is no difference. It, Holland is the Netherlands, and Netherlands is Holland. Um, I grew up calling it Holland, that I'm from Holland. And as I got older, everyone said, oh, you mean the Netherlands? And I said, yes. Uh, it's the same with when I say I am Dutch or I speak Dutch. People automatically think that that's German or Germany. Uh, oh. Dutch and Deutsch sound so much alike uh, that, that people think that. So, no, there's no difference. At Holland and Netherlands are the same. <laughs> are the same. I think uh, when, when you look on a map, 
or an atlas, it'll say the Netherlands. Usually you usually don't see it called Holland. Yeah. But when you, when it's just referred to uh, in speech or in conversation, most people will say Holland rather than the it's Netherlands. Holland. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got a taste for the life of a performer when you were in high school and even got paid to do it. Yeah. How did yeah. you end up then in law enforcement? Well, <clears throat> life happens. And even though entertainment was fun and I thought about it a lot when I was younger, I really uh, wasn't sure where I'd go with it. It was more of a hobby. And then uh, as I got older and, and was married and had children and had to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up, when I was done with college, um, there was just something about law enforcement that was calling to me. And I went through all the processes and uh, was hired. I had 10 years uh, with Seattle Police Department, more in the traffic division, but really enjoyed it. But when I left there, I ended up going to Snohomish County Sheriff's Office and had probably the one of the best jobs of my life that I absolutely loved. And I was a crime prevention officer, community service officer, and was able to really get out to the public and uh, help to solve a lot of, of things that were going on and be able to be creative. I worked for an absolutely wonderful sheriff. Oh, wonderful. But then life took you to Maui. How did that exactly. happen? Exactly. That happened. Uh, bought a place in Maui uh, before that and was using it just um, thinking someday I'm going to retire there. And an opportunity happened where a job opened up and uh, and going there. And in my family, what happened was that uh, my daughter was in law school here and lived with us and she ended up deciding to get married. And since she was no longer living at home and, and uh my boys were gone. It it was just time. I just things fell into place to go ahead and and move. So I sold everything here, went to Maui. It was right after 9/11, so I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do because all the jobs, everything kind of was at a standstill. Yeah. Uh, but once I got yeah, once I got there though, I uh, just randomly sent out resumes and and started out my first few months as a as hotel security for one of the five star hotels there. Uh, yeah, and so it, it, it was great. It was great. I loved living there. Um, I loved the beaches, the uh, the sunsets. I absolutely miss whale watching. Uh-huh. And the people were, people were fantastic, absolutely fantastic. It's a great place, great place to live, but very expensive. Very expensive, yes. I lived in Honolulu for about seven years uh, when I was younger, and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. To uh, you know, buy a home and settle down mm-hmm. was uh, it was a tough place to be. Yeah, exactly. It's it was funny because uh, a lot of most people there work at least two jobs. So if you only work one job, they think there's something really wrong with you. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, there's you don't need as many clothes. So that you, I save a lot in that because I'm a clothes horse. Well, that's true. You only have one season. (laughs) That's right. So didn't have to worry so much about that. You don't have to use, uh, you know, turn on the heat, not in the portion that I lived in anyway, in the area I lived in. In fact, when I moved back to uh, Washington and picked up my car from, I had it shipped back and got into it 
and it was uh, so cold here. I didn't know how to turn on the heater on my car. <laughs> I'd had it for over a year and didn't know how to turn on the heater. I do remember that. Oh, my but, goodness. Yeah, yeah living there. It, it's a beautiful place to visit, though. I still go back and visit. It is beautiful, yes, and Maui is very, very pretty. So you got some amazing and diverse experience there. First, mm -hmm. at the Maui Arts and Cultural Center, and then as Maui County Red Cross Director, two seemingly very different skill sets. Tell us how that all came about. Well, uh, one of the things I did here before I left, while I was still working for uh, in law enforcement, via law enforcement, I started doing a lot of volunteer work uh, at CFAIR. And okay. here, and, and, and it was after, you know, we, we had to work CFAIR in law enforcement with the Police Department. Um, but there was something about that that I really loved and the people that I really loved, uh, being able to help families and seeing, have fun uh, in a legal, great way, rather than always interacting with people that were, um, you know, maybe doing things against the law. Uh, mm -hmm. So I ended up uh, being with CFAIR for almost 20 years as a volunteer and working with a lot of, being in charge of a lot of volunteers. So when I was in Maui, the opportunity came up to kind of take what I had done as a volunteer and actually get paid. So I applied nice. first. Yeah, I applied first with the with the Maui Arts and Cultural Center. They had an opening for a volunteer, the event manager and volunteer coordinator. So that's what I initially applied as. And between all my experience with volunteers and event experience, both with CFAIR and working uh, with law enforcement, I worked a lot of events and helped put together a lot of events. Uh, I qualified for that job. And once I got in there, then they realized I also had uh, all the, everything that it took as far as security and safety uh, mm -hmm. for all the events that happened there. So that all fell into place. And before I knew it, I, I had uh, multiple hats to wear uh, when I worked there. Loved that too, loved that job, enjoyed it immensely. Um, saw some of the best uh, concerts ever. I'll bet. And yeah, uh, and yeah, it was it was just a fun place to work. It was great, um, but there was still something a little bit lacking, and it was time to move on. In fact, it, in the short time I was in Maui, I think I had more jobs in the short time I was there than in you know in in many many years uh, here on the mainland. But from there, then the opportunity came up to become the direct. They had an opening for a director for Maui Red Cross, and uh, just with all of my experience put together, law enforcement, volunteer with CFAIR, um, just a little bit of all those things. I qualified for the job and was chosen and took on that role. So that was, uh, again, that was a, a, a very, I, I can't say it was a fun job, but a very uh, fulfilling, fulfilling job. And I never realized, I don't think many people realize how much the Red Cross actually does. Uh, I only, you know, I thought of blood drives and, and uh, big disasters that happen, but it wasn't until I was actually the director that I realized almost on a daily basis there were things that were being done for, for people that, uh, that were in need, and it was great. It was a great feeling. 
Oh, interesting. So did you have to deal with any big disasters while you were there? Any hurricanes or anything? I was very lucky. I I was uh, always had to be prepared for things. There would be uh, maybe an earthquake in Japan, and so we'd have to prepare in case there'd be a tsunami coming mm. our way. Um, we had some huge storms, but not a uh, hurricane, luckily. Had some major flooding in certain areas that we had to deal with, uh, but always had to be prepared and always making sure that because I was in charge of the county, and the county for Maui included three islands, so going to some of these islands and making sure they had everything set and prepared just in case. So, um, yeah, it was it was a uh, challenge, a challenging uh, position, but a fulfilling position. So, it, yeah, I think one of the times that we actually uh, – really put things into motion that people wouldn't even think about is there was a shoot there was actually a, a shooting at a an apartment or a condominium type place that but it had a lot of that a lot of people lived at and it happened right before people got off work and oh. so nobody could go into the area so we had to set up shelter for all these hundreds of people that actually lived there because they the police were still doing what they needed to do uh, because the shooter was still inside. So we ended up having to, you know, get supplies, open up a, uh, a gymnasium at a high school, uh, make sure everybody had food to eat, make sure that people that needed certain medications at certain times, that they had that. Um, so we had everything from newborn babies to elderly people, you know, that were close to 90 or over uh, that we needed to help until everything was clear and safe the next day for them to go back home. So again, it's just one of those things most people don't think about, but they're there to help with those. Uh, and yeah, again, uh, just a, a good feeling to be able to be part of that, to help being a helping part of that. Yeah, you're right. That's actually a good plug for the Red Cross because I did not know that they would contribute in those circumstances. It, we do think only of big disasters and, and major events, but uh, mm -hmm. that's good to know. Well, and it's it's very much like uh, the thing is that all most of those jobs that I just talked about, the ones on Maui anyway, as far as the Arts and Cultural Center, uh, the Red Cross, and then Seafair, the majority, the majority, uh, three quarters of the people that you see doing all the work are all volunteers. None of them yeah. are getting paid. There's just a very small staff with each one of those. Uh, so yeah, it's just something that for people to think about. Absolutely. Now, you had said to yourself many years ago, when you saw your first hypnosis show, someday mm -hmm. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Family issues brought you back to Washington State, and you went back yes. to school to study hypnosis mm -hmm. and received your mm -hmm. hypnotherapy certification. What mm -hmm. made you resurrect this dream? What told you that someday had finally arrived? Well, I uh, when, I, when I did come back from Maui, uh, my my daughter had some health issues, and that's why I moved back. She's fine now, but at the time it was, uh, you know, I needed to get back. Um, and I had to decide what to do. So when I got this catalog about hypnotherapy, I didn't really even know what hypnotherapy was, to be honest with you. Um, but I knew it had to do with the mind, so I went to it. And as as I was going through the classes, my instructor was also an entertainer. 
uh, actually at the Tulalip uh, Casino. So I went to see him, and while I was watching him, it all came flooding back. It was like, oh, my gosh, yes, that's what it is that I've always wanted to do. So it all just kind of fell into place. Uh, And there are some people that are uh, stage hypnotists that are not hypnotherapists, and I, I, you know, that's a personal thing that I don't agree with, but, um, but I had all of that. So it stirred up all those feelings, and then, then it was a, a matter of figuring out how do I take that first step, and how can I be the very best that I can be. So did some research and found out that uh, Las Vegas was the best place to get my training, and since then I have trained with a lot of people. I still uh, try to, to hone all my skills and uh, continue to train in both uh, stage and therapy, uh, clinical mm-hmm. therapy. And I, I actually consider myself right now, I have two hats. One hat is I'm an entertainer that uses hypnosis as a means for humor, laughter, and relaxation. And the other hat I put on, I'm a hypnotherapist. Uh, and use the therapy portion of that to help people to relax uh, and meet their goals. So it's, yeah, so it's a little bit of both, but it's right now it's still the stage that's my absolute passion. And I didn't realize that there were so few women that were um, stage hypnotists. Even now when I go to set up, if I have a male with me, to help set my sound equipment and do things that I'm helping set up, people will walk up to the mail and say, are you the hypnotist? They don't think, they think I'm the assistant. They don't realize that I'm actually the hypnotist many times. So that's a, a kind of a plus and a, and a fun thing too. I'm a female in a man in male-dominated uh, career. I'm a little more mature or seasoned mm-hmm. uh, since this is not my first my first rodeo, my first job. So there's a, there's, those are challenges, but I, I also feel that those are uh, positive attributes uh, to be able to have to help me market myself and move forward. When you first were starting out, did you mm-hmm. find that being a woman was um, looked upon differently in this profession? Did you find it to be sort of... Uh, a help or a hindrance, I guess, is my question. Uh, I, I think it's a mindset. It's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of both. Again, I think for me it's, it works well because once I can get the job or meet the people and I have my volunteers, a lot of people, especially males, feel more comfortable with a female uh, Rather than a male, and there's what we call maternal or paternal ways of doing our inductions or um, even with therapy. And I find maternal works a lot better with certain clientele. And so that part is uh, is positive for me. Uh, the negative portion, sometimes you have just the opposite. Um, there's actually even with cultures or some cultures, that they don't want a woman telling them what to do. Even though I'm not really telling them, I'm making suggestions and they're actually doing it themselves. Uh, So once in a while, that's a little bit of a problem. The other thing is climbing that ladder and 
because most of the other stage hypnotists out there are male, um, it's a little different the way that uh, that they work and think. And I don't want to say chest pounding, but I will say chest pounding. There's a lot of chest pounding <laughs> that goes on out there. <laughs> I don't want to be hitting my chest because that hurts. But uh, yeah, yeah. So so there's that there's that part of it too. Um, you know, yeah, that that can be frustrating, uh, and it's I guess it's kind of breaking that glass ceiling, right? It's because uh, it is some good old boy mentality out there. So still mm-hmm. trying trying to break through all of that, but it's it's happening. It's working. Uh, it just takes a little bit more work, or or being more clever, or finding new and different ways to do things. As is typical for women who are trying to break into a male-dominated profession. Exactly. Exactly. And I think I feel like the best thing I can do is just continue to smile uh, and move forward. Smile and and be happy. Take a nice deep breath. You know, do myself, do to myself what I tell other people to do, uh, what I train other people to do, and to get that confidence to move forward, that unstoppable kind of confidence that you really need. Uh, and it's not arrogance, it's, uh, it's confidence. And yeah, just moving forward, creating rapport and moving forward. Right, big difference between confidence and arrogance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, and I think women can, can, uh, can do a better job with showing confidence. I, I think we need to do that. At, Sometimes it's a little difficult when you're up against um, males, up against, yeah, that, yeah. And even with law enforcement, there were, you know, there are times when a female can go up to even say a, an intoxicated male uh, and get them to leave or uh, leave the premises or follow them or follow directions much easier than if a male officer was to go up to that person and then all of a sudden it is that kind of that chest pounding thing it's i'm not going to let this guy tell me what to do where a female can go up and uh, gently and nicely say you know hey can i talk to you come on over here can i will you follow me over here and they'll come over and talk and they don't all of a sudden get that uh, that fight thing in their in their mind so yeah so there's there's good and bad to uh you know or there's ways of working it no matter what the profession, it's just m- making sure that you have the skills uh, mentally, verbally, and physically, um, your stance and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we've so, got to take yeah. a short break. And when sure. we come back, can hypnosis accelerate positive change? All right. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, 
No one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the E-Women Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm your host, Kate Fessler, and my guest today is Mariana Matthews, that lady hypnotist. Mariana, you mentioned both hypnosis and hypnotherapy. What's the difference? Well, they're the same and different. Um, Just hypnosis, just using the word hypnosis itself, uh, just like in stage hypnosis or self-hypnosis, those are ways of relaxation and giving suggestions. It's, it's actually what we're doing with hypnosis or hypnotherapy is we're getting past what we call the critical factor, going from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind. Uh, and and there's, there's this gatekeeper between the two that we need to be able to let down so that we can get to that subconscious mind. So when it's uh, just like with stage, when it's just when it, we use the word hip, hypnosis, we're not actually doing therapy, uh, really changing behaviors. We're more making suggestions and more short term usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, where hypnotherapy can be used to actually make changes uh, and help people to move forward with with so many things, things like uh, quitting smoking. Um, addictive behaviors, uh, losing weight, getting more confidence, just so many different things that uh, it's just amazing nowadays, hypnotherapy, what it can do. But hypnosis and in hypnosis and hypnotherapy, part of that is getting through that gatekeeper. So getting the conscious mind, the chatter that we have in our conscious mind to slow down or quiet down and allowing that subconscious mind to move forward because that's where our long-term and that's where uh, so many things happen. It's like when we realize that we shouldn't eat that piece of cake because we're, uh, or we shouldn't smoke that cigarette. You know all the bad things it does to you, yet you still pick it up and you smoke it, or you still have that piece of cake or that chocolate, even though you shouldn't do that. And it's the conscious mind versus the subconscious mind. And unless we can get to that subconscious mind and change what's in there, it's difficult to make any of those um, actual behavioral changes. But with hypnotherapy, being able to actually get to that point, um, it's much easier, much easier. It's not just changing, it's actually changing, putting something else in there rather than saying just stop. The other thing is that within hypnosis and hypnotherapy, there's a certain language that the subconscious mind understands versus the conscious mind. So, you know, like just like with Star Wars where Yoda said, uh, you either don't, you, it, there's no do or don't. 
Oh, uh, yeah. There is no there is try no try. Yeah, there is do yeah. or do not. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing. If we say try, if, if someone, if you ask me to come to your house tonight for a party and I say, I'm going to try to make it, usually when people say try, it means they're not going to, right? Um, so it's the same thing. We There's words that we use and words that we don't use negative words that we don't use because the subconscious mind doesn't hear that negative part a lot of times that when we tell a young child don't touch that what they're usually hearing is touch is that touch that <laughs> they don't yeah the word don't just kind of fades away they just hear the touch that um so yeah so there's there's a way there's there, again there's that that's all part of the training uh, that we have, but it's also good to, and, and I feel like as a hypnotherapist, what we do is we give tools, we teach people and give them tools themselves on how they can better their lives. Uh, so as a hypnotherapist, I'm not going to see you for years and years and years on the same issue. I'm going to do whatever I can with you to help you discover what tools you need to get to your goal and where you need to be. Uh, if if that makes sense, that's uh, kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, getting to that unconscious mind, there's uh, all kinds of affirmations and suggestions we can give you. And again, so many things are with hypnotherapy. So many things are habits uh, that it's also for doing self hypnosis. It becomes a habit. Uh, to do it the right way, to do things the positive way and the good way and creating new pathways within the mind, uh, within the brain, actually. A lot of times what happens is if we've done something over and over and over again and we know it's not good for us, actually they can actually see now that with the technology we have, they can see within the brain all the activity and what's going on and these neural pathways that are being created and it's like going through a forest and you're going the same path over and over and over and it almost becomes a ditch but you follow that mm -hmm. so with hypnotherapy we're actually able to change that and reroute that a little bit to help you create a new pathway to go through and once you continue to do that uh you're, it, it'll sink in and it'll actually uh, you'll actually be, they actually are able to see that um, now within, you know, with this technology that they have now. They've done a, uh, I know they've done some research, and one of the first ones they did that I thought was so amazing uh, was, I believe it was even with a CAT scan or something similar, because I'm not a medical person, so um, that's <laughs> number one. So my terminology isn't always correct when it comes to medical. But what they were able to do is they had a group of people that listened to music. They had them listen to music and they, uh, they recorded the brainwave pattern and the areas of the brain that lit up, the activity that were happening. Then for the next part of it, they had them imagine that they were listening to music and they recorded that. And for the third part, these people were um, hypnotized, put, had uh, induced is what we call it. Uh, an induction was done where they were in the relaxed state. That chatter was gone and subconscious mind was moving forward. And they had them then imagine that they were listening to music. And they recorded that 
And when they did that, that they saw the correlation between the real and being hypnotized, that they were almost exactly the same. The one where they're just imagining it was completely different. So Really? Yes. And it, it, there's just so much research out there now. It's so fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It's a great time to be in this profession uh, because it's no longer just because I said so. Uh, it's, yeah. There's actual proof. They're using hypnosis and hypnotherapy. Uh, well, hypnosis in things like um, birthing. Uh, uh, there's a lot for dental work, having dental work. People that can't have anesthesia or don't want to have anesthesia, um, they can actually, you can actually um, use self-hypnosis or be trained to use it to the point where when you do go, sorry, when you do go to um, a dentist that you don't need, uh, that you're able to relax enough that you don't feel the pain, you take yourself to another place and use hypnosis and you don't feel the pain, you can reduce the blood flow. Uh, just so many things. It's just incredible what they're using it for now. Wow. That sounds like magic. <laughs> it, it sounds like magic, but it's not. It's not. It's, uh, and it's, yeah, it's been around for so many years, but people, it's, it's the media, um, it's books and, and movies and TV that make things, because they want it to be interesting, they want people to buy it, so they make it scary, or they're, you know, they make it as mind control, well, mm -hmm. when it's actually, I, you, number one, you can't be hypnotized against your will, uh, that's, that's impossible to be really hypnotized against your will, um, you won't do anything that you wouldn't normally do. There's, uh, there's just you. You won't tell secrets. That's why they and uh, so they don't use it for lie detector tests or those type of things. Mm -hmm. So all every everything that they show on on TV, usually most everything they show on TV uh, is not is not correct. It's not honest. It makes for good TV. Uh, right. But it makes for entertaining things. But as far as real life, it's it's not true. So, yep, that's uh, that's bad. Right. So you have a self hypnosis series, uh, so people mm -hmm. can free themselves from limiting beliefs, feelings, and behaviors, so they can realize their endless potential. How does mm -hmm. self hypnosis work, and what's is there a difference between what can be accomplished with self-hypnosis and what can be accomplished working with a trained hypnotherapist? Well, I think the best, the best way is to work with a trained hypnotherapist to learn the proper self-hypnosis. Mm. Uh, everyone goes into hypnosis every single day. It's, it's a natural state, but there's different levels that we all go into. And there's Actually, it's almost as if you're always in some state of hypnosis. Uh, hypnosis is a focused, focused concentration. It's uh, so when you are, say, watch uh, watching a movie. You're watching a movie and you see something sad, and you become sad, or you start laughing, or you get angry at somebody that's on TV. You know it's not real, but it's right there, and you get angry because you're falling. That, those are all types of trance and hypnosis because you're focused. You don't really hear or know anything else that's going on around you mm. unless, unless it's something that's important and you snap out of it and you realize, oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, those are types. And, and nowadays, especially with, with phones and with all the computers, 
those are types of pants. I don't know how many times you've done it. I know I have where I get on the computer to do something and it's only going to take me a minute. Next thing I know, an hour has gone by. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. And that's, that's also, those are types of trances. We all go into it. Um, there's, and, and when we talk about mass hypnosis, um, here's something. Recently, well, last year, I believe it was, wasn't that when they had the, I'm trying to think, not, it's not the Pokemon. The, oh, the little yes, guys the that Pokemon would, yeah, yeah. Where they were all in the parks, like, just focused on their phone. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And they knew they weren't real. Right. Everybody was so focused on it, and it became this this big thing in just a short amount of time. Boy, talk about um, (laughs) mass. Mass hysteria. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so whoever did that marketing was absolutely great. And marketing uses, uh, they use hypnosis all the time. You know, they use types of trance and hypnosis all the time. Uh, But again, it's, uh, you're still going to know the difference between what's good and bad in most cases. That's the only bad part with with the subconscious mind is there are times that you need some some help or some assistance with with a trained therapist that can help you go into the right direction. Uh, the subconscious mind really doesn't know the difference between real and imagination and imaginary, and so sometimes it will take in information in a way that's not real. Mm. I think it is, and mm-hmm. so you need help then into changing that, figuring out what it is and how to change it for you. What's the best way for you to change that? Sometimes that means having to do a little bit of regression, uh, meaning I'm not talking about past life. I'm talking about in this life. You know, what it was it that that caused you to think that uh, particular thing that's that's in your way and blocking you right now so we can move forward. I personally belong to to a group or to... uh, I'm trying to think of what the right word is. Um, I, it's coaching called hope coaching. It's kind of the way that we do the therapy. There's a group of us that really try not to go back and do any, um, have clients go back to feel any pain or go to any kind of situation that was very uncomfortable or causing them grief. Uh, if possible, that we just go from right now and move forward. What can we do from right now to move forward to get you to where you need to go and want to be? Um, Once in a while, you have to clear something up. But in most cases, we can just move forward. Well, that sounds good. I know a lot of people, um, you know, that's a little bit of the difference between, I think, coaching and therapy, right? Coaching is sort of like, taking a healthy person and moving them forward and uh, therapy is more about let's go back and find out what caused some of these issues for you. Um, well, I think, I think that's, that's where there's um, some confusion. That's why they call it hope coaching, even though it is therapy, it's still mm-hmm. therapy, but the word therapy, I think scares some people because they're also thinking about, Oh, does this mean I'm crazy? Does this mean I'm going to a psychiatrist? Does this mean right. all these different things? And so, yeah, a lot of people now say the word coaching instead of a therapist. Um, ah. Even though it could be very, you know, they could be interchanged in a lot of ways and a lot of times. Um, the certification is actually hypnotherapy as, as a, a 
um, when you're certified as in hypnosis as a hypnotherapist. And then there's clinical, there's medical, there's all the different kinds. So there's all kinds of names people use right out there right now uh, as coaches. And many times they use some type of guided imagery or and or hypnotherapy within that. Mm-hmm. So many people spend years doing work to free mm-hmm. themselves from limiting beliefs and all the rest. Mm-hmm. Can hypnosis really fast track you to realizing your potential? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, uh, some people take years, but they still have that block and they don't know why that is uh, or what it is that's really holding them back. Hypnotherapy can definitely, you know, get to whatever it is and change that because it needs to be changed. And a lot of times it's not because it's not, um, it's not a matter of willpower. Right. It absolutely has nothing to do with your willpower or, um, or your intelligence. Uh, I can't do this because I'm not smart enough or I can't do this because I don't have the willpower. It's a matter of just needing a little bit of help of teaching yourself how to get to where you need to be uh, and the right way for what it is that you want. Exactly, it's uh, whether it's a phobia, a fear, or whether it's just a block that you have help you move forward it it can be used for sports performance it can be it can help people with public speaking Um, we can help people with so many different things it's just about every anything and everything you can think of that hypnotherapy or hypnosis can help people with well going back to your example of the music it sounds like a lot of Mm -hmm. people you know believe in visualization so you visualize Mm -hmm. yourself having the outcome that you are seeking and it exactly. sounds like if you are under this, um, I forget what you called it, induced uh, state, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that that can really have a much bigger impact. Absolutely. Right. If we can stop all that chatter, all that, um, that conscious chatter and get to the subconscious mind, get you to that point, relax you to that point and get you to that point, and then then give you the correct or the best imagery for what it is that you need, then yes, you can get there much, much faster. And again, some people will do imagery, but they'll still have that negative talk in there without even realizing it. They'll have some of those negative words in there where it will bring them the other way rather than forward. It'll bring them backwards or keep them where they're at. So that's why a hypnotherapist, a trained hypnotherapist, knows what they're doing when it comes to those things. And that's why it's, it's much easier to work with somebody like that first and have mm-hmm. them help you and train you to, uh, to continue to do that, to move forward. Right. Our subconscious is our biggest saboteur. <laughs> and yeah, we don't even absolutely. know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, it can be your friend or your foe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's just a matter of finding the right way to rethink and rewire some of those neurons to, to move you in the right direction. Yeah, and, and I like woo-woo. the science piece. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, there's a very scientific basis for us. So, so that's actually, I think, would be comforting to people who might be considering it and thinking, well, is it really woo-woo? And is it kind of just a, a party trick, you know? 
Exactly, exactly. And it's not, it, it's just, like I say, it's just so amazing. I I could talk for hours and hours, so I have to, I have to be careful uh, because <laughs> I am so passionate about it because it's just so amazing to me and it's so amazing to me all the things that they can find out and that you can do with hypnosis nowadays. Helping kids is amazing. There's a, uh, there's a gal that lives here in Washington State that is probably one of the best hypnotist, hypnotherapist uh, with children. And she's helped kids with everything from um, hair pulling, the ones that are, are cutting themselves, hair pulling, um, bedwetting, I mean, just, just about anything. And so to know that even kids can can use this, it can be used with kids, and to teach parents how to use it with kids, and not use the word hypnosis. And I think sometimes that's what the downfall is maybe we need to stop using that that word with some people unless we can really educate them first or get get them to come in first then educate them about it and then can use the word again but that word is just kind of scary to people it is just kind of scary to people so yes so so things like this being able to this podcast and being able to actually do some explaining and the time to do that is fantastic and I thank you for that oh it's my pleasure Now, you really love to do stage shows, and you've established a great reputation as an international renowned professional entertainer and a master Mm -hmm. hypnotist. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called That Lady Hypnotist, right? That Lady Hypnotist comedy show is known for good, clean humor and fun, and both participants and audiences leave the show feeling good, confident, and with hilarious memories that last a lifetime. Besides Mm -hmm. entertainment... Is there another benefit for a company or organization to have you perform for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are a lot. Uh, besides entertainment, number one, first of all, it's, it's relaxing. Um, everybody needs to do a little bit more relaxing these days, I think. So being able to uh, forget about everything that's going on nowadays in the world, even if it's just for an hour, so your audience members as well as the volunteers, being able to laugh and relax is so good mentally and physically for everyone, mm-hmm. even just that one hour. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other thing is within the show, cor- for corporations or for schools, we can incorporate some of uh, team building. Uh, we can demonstrate how amazing the mind is and how, because of some things we can do for fun, how that can be translated into things that you can actually take into the real world to move forward, uh, whether it's sales or no matter what it is. Because once those people are up there and they're giving this, they're in trance and they're giving that suggestion to do things, you'll see people that are very shy all of a sudden can become, you know, they're not shy anymore. They'll get up and they'll speak or they'll dance or they'll uh, sing, they'll do different things, they'll act funny. Where normally they in, in a regular state they were not, so maybe what they need to those same people they can take those same traits, those same attributes that they just had when they were in trance, and use those, use that to to make their sales better, to not be embarrassed, to come out of their shell. Um, yeah, there's there's just so many different things that can be done with that. The team building part, absolutely. The thing is that everybody loves a laugh, 
but most hypnotists, like in my shows, I do my best not to uh, not to embarrass anyone. Mm-hmm. But we still have a lot of fun. We still have a lot of fun. Uh, so, and and at the end of each of the performances that I do, what I try to incorporate, what I incorporate most of the time, if there's enough time, uh, is because these people are so deep in trance. They've been in trance for an hour that I do give them the opportunity to change something for the better in their life. So mm-hmm. once we get to that very end, um, they don't say it out loud, but I do give them the opportunity to, to do that and to give them a tool to take with them to help them um, succeed and, and do a little better uh, in their life. So, yeah, so there's, there's, there's a lot of reasons for uh, having that. And it's just fun and amazing. People are just amazed. But it shows how amazing our minds are. And it also shows people what after every show I have, I guarantee every show I have someone come up to me to ask about hypnotherapy and say, you know, I didn't believe in this before, but now I do. And can you help me with this or do you know someone that can help me with this? And it's everything from quitting smoking to biting nails to having a a stutter to, you know, all kinds of things. So I feel I'm an ambassador, a good ambassador for hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. by coming out there and doing a show where people might come to a show, but they won't go to a hypnotherapist. Uh, And after they've seen the show, then they feel Mm -hmm. more comfortable and confident to, uh, to to do whatever they need to do, maybe to see a hypnotherapist. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're almost out of time. So I have to ask you, Mm -hmm. is there one book or resource besides your own products that have changed your life that you would recommend to people? Actually, there, um, there are so many good books, but what I would say, one of the things I think that helped me with being, a hypno, uh, being on stage, but also being a speaker, both for law enforcement when I was in law enforcement and, and everything else I've done, is I would rec- highly recommend people take improv classes. I oh. think improv classes are probably, that was just a defining thing for me to take an improv class it was fun. Nothing you did was wrong, but it helped you to think quick on your feet. Uh, I just can't say enough about improv classes. I don't know of, and I'm not pushing any particular one or person. I just know that I really recommend that to people, no matter what it is that you do. I just, yeah, improv class. That's that's what I would say. That's what I would recommend. That is a great recommendation. So how can people find out more about you and your work? Um, my website at thatladyhypnotist.com or uh, I at my Facebook also, uh, That Lady Hypnotist, Mariana Matthews. Or if they'd like, they can just reach me personally, send me an email at mariana at thatladyhypnotist.com. So it's all pretty easy. This month has been uh, crazy because it's been grad night month. Uh, I've been doing shows at 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and I have my last grad night tomorrow. Up in Vancouver, BC, or Victoria, BC. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I'm available uh, to talk about any time. Right now, I'm nocturnal. Uh, but after that, I will <laughs> go back to reg- regular hours. So I'm happy to uh, answer any questions or talk to anyone. Yeah, but, uh, I'm available. Awesome. Mariana Matthews, That Lady Hypnotist, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoy this week's program. 
I've heard from more than one person that an improv class is a great personal improvement tool. I'm going to look for one in my area. Please leave a comment on the show page, follow the show, and tell your friends. You can find links to past programs and the recommendations of previous guests on my website, firstclasslifesolutions.com. Next week, my guest will be Anna Rohrbaugh. Anna is a certified leadership trainer, coach, and speaker with the number one leadership team in the world, the John Maxwell team. Combined with this partnership, Anna's 15 plus years as a business owner and direct sales team leader have turned her into a master at helping others lead an empowered life. This past year, Anna had the privilege of being one of the select few who traveled to Paraguay to teach transformational leadership techniques with the John Maxwell team. After taking the TEDx stage in November 2015, Anna was hired as a TEDx speaker coach in 2016, helping others find their voice and deliver with confidence. Among other roles, Anna recently took over as the Managing Director of eWomen Network for Greater Seattle Snohomish County, and she is running her own campaign to hold her first seat in public office as the next Muckleteo Councilwoman. I hope you'll join us. Until then, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com.